to. Chapter 9, the conversion of Saul. But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So this is the Saul who is introduced in uh, chapter 7, verse 58. He is the main character now in this chapter. In a third brief glimpse of Saul is seen again in chapter 11, 25 through 30. Before Saul, soon to be called Paul, he becomes the main character uh, in later chapters of this book. It says, even though he had helped to eliminate Stephen, Saul continued to persecute the Christian heresy. Stephen's someone who you're just not heard about. You're not heard him preached about a lot of who this man was. He's so he's such a tiny character as far as the length he is in the New Testament, but he is a pivotal character in the development of who Saul becomes. And Saul becomes Paul, the guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. Saul approved of the murdering of this righteous man. And it, it, I think it's critical to put that in perspective of, a mo- of modern day, what, what it would look like today. Imagine the President of the United States or someone in great authority or someone who you beloved. Um, I know a lot of presidents maybe not a good example because there's so many people who aren't fan of a pre- the President no matter who it is. But imagine just someone you love, someone you admire, someone maybe not associated with uh, politics but associated with charity helping people. 
and imagine that person that you know personally being murdered. And the person who approves of this murder, the person almost primarily accountable for this murder of, of your beloved friend, family member, admirer, that person is then going to start leading and taking over that charity. It's hard to fathom. Imagine some of the other early Christians or the followers of the way trying to wrap their minds around this guy? Wasn't he trying to kill us? Isn't he is he a spy? Is he trying to just learn the inner workings of us so he can then eradicate us? Is he faking it? And with that baggage and, and Saul's aware of this, but he's he's convicted. He's in the process of conversion. That's why this chapter is titled The Conversion of Saul. He's in this process of conversion, so not only is he about to make a radical change and do a complete 180 with his life and the trajectory of his life and the mission of his life, but he will then spend the rest of his life radically sharing the gospel testimony of Jesus and radically living out the life as one should being a follower of Jesus. So on verse 10, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So going down, or back to verse 15, chosen instrument before Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Paul considered himself to be an apostle to the Gentiles as Peter was to the Jews. But Paul also preached many times to the Jews, particularly in their synagogues. 
So when it says Jesus who appeared to you, Saul had not had a dream or seen a vision, but had seen the Lord. There's a reference to that in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 5, in, in regards to this moment that clicks for Paul as a devout Greek man, meaning he's educated, he's smart, a devout Hebrew Jewish man, meaning he was familiar with not only Hebrew prophecy, but Hebrew scripture. And so Saul proclaims Jesus in synagogues. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. And then when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. <laughs> and when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came also down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man, a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they returned. They turned to the Lord. Now there was Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room, in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter pulled them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, rise. 
And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. She gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. And uh, Simon a Tanner, that reference, Jews believe tanning to be an unclean profession because it involved contact with dead animals. Peter was willing to stay with a Tanner because the message of the gospel was beginning to break down barriers between people. And this also anticipates Peter's vision in chapter 10. And that comes up, Peter and Cornelius, and then Peter's vision. So that chapter is the, the conversion of Paul and ends with flashing back to kind of what's going on with Peter in the after, aftermath of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. So Peter is now performing miracles at the same in the same bandwidth as Jesus himself was. And as we know, after Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is not only very much active but the power to not only take life, uh, but also also to return it is uh, happening frequently in this time. Now with chapter 9 coming to a close, rocking into chapter 10, it's a... Uh, reading these things in the 21st century 21 centuries later or about 21 centuries later after Paul we live in a day with technology um, we live being exposed overexposed to the world, to culture, to people, we see more. Most people, if you're active on social media, see more in a week than people of Paul's time would see in a lifetime. Depending on the avenues in which you get your media, your content, your entertainment, if you keep it PG, it's one experience it's one perspective. If you keep it PG-13, if you keep it R, if you go to the M, or mature level, and whatever's beyond that, X, depending on the amount of content or the type of content and where you get your content, you can be exposed to in a small window of time through this, a tiny screen on your phone or a TV or desktop and laptop, iPad, and you can see so much. Uh, TikTok is a being the current fad app, uh, the probably the most popular app in the world right now, seemingly, where you're seeing videos from all over the world, and they're short clips, but you're 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 getting these windows into people's lives. Uh, regardless of the filters or whatever could be existing on it, but for the most part, you're going, 
that you're getting these one-sided conversations of people talking at you or being showed stuff or being um, entertained in a way that has never been in existence before. And the reason I'm saying all that because when you're reading the Bible and you're reading these stories and, and you're reading these things, you're, you're reading the activity and you're reading about the activity of the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit was being active back then. And it begs the question, well, I see so much. I see, I see, I see all these videos. I watch all these YouTube videos. I watch all these TikTok videos. I see all these advertisements, I, I see all these TV shows, and the only time I ever see someone rising from the dead is if I'm watching a show about vampires and werewolves or magicians, or, you know, there's magic involved, or it's Middle Earth, or it's uh, Hogwarts, or it's Star Wars, and where, where those things happen. And there's this disconnect from reality in in the real world to the entertainment world and there's this there's this disconnect oh well that doesn't happen in real life and people see that when in regards to like fame and fame culture oh well normal people don't drive those types of cars or look those types of ways and oh well that, that person just has the money to get surgery to look that way or whatever it may be, and there becomes this disconnect from person to person. And part of what Paul was doing, and Saul at the time, Saul, as he's in the process of his conversion, he starts going to these synagogues, and he starts preaching to the Gentiles. And he's rebuttaling them in a way on and at their level of that time. And he's showcasing this change, and he's revealing the proof that Jesus is who he says he is, and he was the right person at the right place at the right time and accomplished it in the right way and lived the right life to become who he became. And so Paul's preaching and pushing on on, on the theological side of apologetics and what that is and what that looks like. But he's of that time. When we fast forward to today, 2,000 plus years later, it's hard. Uh, it, following Jesus daily, weekly, monthly even, is hard for most people. Very difficult. To a lot of people, it either seems foolish, it either seems like fallacy, because uh, they've never taken the time to learn enough, to pray enough, to seek, to give it a shot but when you read those stories and go well I've never seen a preacher raise someone from the dead the way it explains Peter doing it at the end of chapter 9 and those levels of disconnect can be very dangerous to not only a matured faith or, an, or a, someone who's been a believer for a long time but especially people who are outsiders or people who are coming into the faith. And there's this element of not challenging God. There's this element of God doesn't work 
like a like a magician. It's it's much it's much different than that. Uh, the way miracles work is not. It, there's there's a clean distinction and a very clear distinction biblically between the work of God and the work of demons or the devil or devils or however you want to look at it, but the work of magicians and, and the way a magician creates illusions and can wow people and blow people's minds with a with an act of entertainment or an act of illusion. Uh, biblically, there's a very clear and clean distinction between those two things, between magic and miracles. To an outsider, though, it's not like that. To, to an outsider, they're the same. They look the same. The illusion and the miracle are identical and, and indecipherable. Obviously, by being a believer and seeking truth in and through Jesus, and seeking truth, utilizing yourself, your 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 vest, your your soul, and your your body and your vessel for the Holy Spirit. There's a veil of discernment that comes with that to be able to decipher magic from miracle. And Paul, as he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, that tr- him in the process of seeking truth and wanting to be a law-abiding citizen and uh, wanting to be a, a man of morals, he is delivered in a way and to him is gifted this v- lifting of the veil uh, that gives him this discernment that he had never experienced before in his life. And that level in keenness, that, that keen discernment, it, it's the same discernment that allows any common man in any place in life, man, woman, or child, to be gifted through the Holy Spirit, this wisdom that acts as a discernment that opens your eyes to be able to see the difference between magic and illusion and miracle and God's work. then you can start seeing the Holy Spirit is just as active today through the church, through the people of God, through the followers of Jesus in the exact same way that he is. At the end of chapter 9, as Peter is bringing Dorcas back from the dead. That's it. As always. God bless.